Welcome to the Healing Place podcast, a space filled with inspirational stories of hope, along with practical advice for your healing journey. Your host is Terry Welbrock, trauma warrior, writer, speaker, blogger, therapy dog handler, and founder of the Sammy's Bundles of Hope Project. As a survivor and a thriver, Terry's mission is to shine the light of hope into the world by interviewing insightful guests from across the globe. Please stay tuned at the end of today's interview as we honor our sponsors. The Healing Place podcast is a fiscally sponsored project of Fractured Atlas. Now, here's your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock, and excited to have with me today Steve Whitney. And Steve is a Soma Breath Master Instructor and Teacher Trainer. So welcome, Steve. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it very much. Absolutely. We talked for just a, just a second beforehand. Um, you have a website, Breathe with Steve, that I dove into and, yeah, stalked and found out all the stuff you're doing. So yeah, talk to people about what it is you do and uh, how you help others along their journey. Amazing. Yeah. Breathe with Steve is a, uh, is a website that kind of educates people on their nervous system and how stress impacts their mind and their body. And all of it's driven from Soma Breath. So Soma Breath is a, uh, a global training academy and health and pranayama, they take a full holistic approach. And this saved my life. I mean, the story of how I, you know, a series of events had to lead up for me meeting the founder and using this modality myself, it literally changed my life. And so I was corporate America. I was a building engineer, made lots of money, penthouse apartments, nice cars, but I also had a heavy drinking problem, did drugs on the weekends, and even <laughs> even through the week, so I was very unhealthy. And uh, it was actually some unfortunate circumstances, my mother dying from diabetes at 58 oh. years old, and then my, uh, my partner, she had a heart attack at 28 years old, a year after my mom died. And so at that point, we decided to change our lives and, and in search of more and, and what life was really all about instead of this corporate hamster wheel with lots of, you know, drinking drugs and parties and very unhealthy lifestyle. So yeah, we, I sold my business and uh, we sold everything we owned and we moved to Thailand. And wow. actually this is where I, I started to train in yoga, meditation, uh, energy work, qigong, pranayama. And uh, pranayama was actually the last one. And this is where I became deeply depressed, deeply depressed. And I couldn't figure out why. It was the weirdest thing. I lived on a beautiful island in Thailand that brings the world's most educated and profound teachers as this like conscious hub. And I trained in everything and it was getting worse. And it got to the point where I was starting to have suicidal thoughts and it scared me. Uh, that's not the route I wanted to take, but I was having glimpses and flashes of just riding my bike into traffic. And, uh, and that's when I met the founder of Soma Breath, Niraj, and I did a session. This was before Soma was even really much of a thing. It was just a modality that he did to his friends and uh, in like group settings. And that one session changed my life completely. I saw a glimmer of light inside of myself that I hadn't seen in a long, long, long time. And that was enough to propel me into going to him and saying, I have to learn more. 
And three and a half years later, um, I've completely transformed my life. And so uh, now I'm actually one of their master instructors and teacher trainer. So I'm a mentor that guides instructors through the training program and help educate them on the science. We're a very science-based academy. We go really deep into that knowledge. And so what I've done is I've taken that information and I've customized it and tweaked it to be very focused and driven on mindset and the nervous system and the physiology and how your breath can alter that and it can work for you in every waking moment. You just have to understand how the breath influences sympathetic, parasympathetic, circulation, the relaxing response, oxygen versus carbon dioxide. And this is what I teach in Breathe with Steve, is how to hack your nervous system to reach your full potential just by using a simple tool as, as easy as your breath. Yes, and I love it. And I love the idea of the whole mind-body-soul connection, the whole, um, I just, you mentioned Qigong, and I just started it, um, an eight-week program, eight weeks ago. It ended last Monday, and so once a week doing it. And uh, I remember my son, Jake, asked me, what is Qigong? And I said, think of like slow motion karate. And it was you know, just those slow movements and that. Um, so yeah, I love, I love learning about these new things. And that was my first experience with Qigong. And so I'm fascinated by um, Soma breath and um, how it can impact, especially those of us with trauma history. I have horrific trauma history and I had panic attacks for 25 years. And so uh, breath work is critical to calming, calming those, that panic, calming that anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, and you actually said something that I kind of want to step on for just a second because you, you initiated with the, the trauma and the, the release of this. And by all means, this is 100% true, but it's also a misconception. And most people think breath work is this thing that we sit in ceremony and everyone screams and they cry and they laugh and they have these like crazy experiences and it's very shamanic and and it's very hippie and all of this other stuff. And by all means, it can be. And it's very powerful. But the important thing, and this is the message that I'm, I'm really adamant about trying to share with people, is that breath work may be that and that may be the the conception of what's been introduced into american civilization um but when you learn the aspects of what happens to your physiology to your biochemistry your neurology when you breathe you realize it's far from this hippie ceremonial like let's all release trauma and have these wild experiences your breath directly influences every function every single function. So every time you breathe in, your heart rate slightly goes up, your blood pressure rises, and your sympathetic nervous system becomes activated. Every time you breathe out, okay, your heart rate lowers, your blood pressure lowers, and uh, you begin to activate more of your parasympathetic. Well, the functions in the physiology that are tied to the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, because think about it, your central nervous system is comprised of sympathetic and parasympathetic. So think of that word central nervous system. It's, it's, it's in the center and it's tied to everything. So when you start to learn the importance of what things are associated with either side of the nervous system and how they impact it and how your breath directly influences it, well, it opens up a whole new world, a whole new paradigm to the understanding of that your breath is the ultimate biohacking tool. 
So it can increase your energy. It can calm you down. It can create coherence, which is the optimization and of you know circulation and the same rhythmic uh, functions of your of your organs and internal body. Okay, and this is the other interesting thing, is that something you don't really hear much about. Uh, there's two things: is rhythmic breathing, and the other one is holding your breath out. So have you ever, Terry, have you ever held your breath out before? No. Yeah, right? It's like, why in the world would you do that? Right. You're like a free diver or something else. <laughs> right. I feel like I would just pass out. <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> believe it or not, you can. So it's very important that you, you guys understand this uh, with respect and, and use it responsibly. Um, but it's, it's quite amazing. So you've heard of athletes going into uh, high altitudes to train right? Yeah. Especially like uh, long distance athletes, bike, uh, cross country bikers, things like that. And it's because there's less oxygen. So there's this massive, massive stigma that we need to breathe more, breathe deep, breathe more. And this is what you're going to hear a lot in regards to breath work, deep, full breaths, breathe in as much as you can. And this is actually fine for a ceremony that happens once a month or so. But as a daily practice, this is very, very, very dangerous. And so actually, it's quite the opposite. In pranayama, the less you breathe, the longer you live. Okay? So the more oxygen you take in, the more you're creating oxidative stress. You could even move as far as what's called respiratory alkalosis. And this is where the pH of your bloodstream is becoming so alkaline that it's actually going to start to steal acids from the body. And where do we produce acid? In our digestive system, in our right. stomach. So if we don't have the right acid, because we're having to balance the pH of our bloodstream, then we're not going to break down food properly. And now we're not getting proper nutrition. We're not digesting our food well. We're not breaking that food down. And we're going to have toxins that are floating around our stomach, which can then lead to leaky gut which can lead to chronic or autoimmune disease. So it's quite amazing to see how all of these things are tied together. But the really cool thing is that you don't have to climb to the top of a mountain to be able to achieve the same results as these athletes or shamans or ancient yogis that go to the top of the Himalayas and, and train or meditate up there. And they, their life is so, uh, it's extended. You know, if you look at these, you know, monks that, um, live in these high altitudes. They're 90 years old and they look like they're 60. It, it's quite phenomenal. But that's the thing is we don't need more oxygen. We need to use oxygen efficiently. And when you lower oxygen levels briefly, it's called intermittent hypoxia. This is what Soma, um, we, we train our instructors to, to be professionals and educated in. The one aspect, there's many, but this brief periods of low oxygen, well, that allows you your body recalibrates. It says, oh my goodness, we have less oxygen. We don't know what to do right now. So what does it do? It starts to dilate your blood vessels. So you start to circulate more red blood cells around the body. You produce more red blood cells. The other interesting thing is that you actually raise CO2 levels. And most people think oxygen is crucial and CO2 is bad. Right. Okay, now oxygen is vital to your energy, to your health. Don't get me wrong here. But CO2 is the magical molecule. I want all of you guys to seriously, seriously let this sink in. CO2 is the magic molecule that is going to help you to use oxygen. Okay. So you breathe in oxygen. It binds to a red blood cell um, with uh, hemoglobin. The hemoglobin is like the glue that 
attaches the oxygen to the red blood cell. Okay. It then goes, the red blood cells go into circulation. Okay. And at this point you hope that the oxygen will leave the red blood cell <clears throat> and that way it can enter into the muscles, the tissues, other cells, your organs, your brain, everything in your body that needs oxygen to thrive. But here's the thing is if you don't have proper CO2 levels, then the oxygen will stay bound to the red blood cell. It won't release. And so what you're doing, this is that leading to the respiratory alkalosis. This is when you have so much oxygen inside of your bloodstream, but you're not giving it to any other parts of your body because you have no CO2 levels. And when you hold your breath out for short periods of time, what happens is you lower oxygen, giving your body a rest, allowing your mitochondria to produce energy more efficiently. And then you rise, you build up CO2 levels. And when you build up the levels of CO2, boom, that's when the oxygen gets released from the red blood cell, moves into your cells, your tissues, your organs, your brain. And this is why those athletes in the top of mountains or in these high altitudes become so strong so fit, their endurance increases, is because they've actually provided their body with oxygen in a proper way, rather than flooding themselves with oxygen, but not spreading it out, not using it effectively. Does this make sense? Yeah, it's brilliant. And, I, and it, it makes so much sense. And, and what you were talking about with the, with the breath work, my breath work was learned through meditation and then also through my therapist. So we would do like a four square, like four seconds in, hold for four seconds, four seconds out, hold for four seconds, that, and then like a rolling breath. But it always was about, you know, getting in that deep breath and holding it for a second and then letting it out. And yeah, so this is fascinating to me. Yeah. And this, that's a good form by all means, but take it a step farther. So one interesting thing you can always do is like, especially when you go back into the Ayurvedic system, Ayurveda, Ayurveda is really the the foundation to meditation, yoga, pranayama, and the Rig Veda, one of the most ancient manuscripts is what formulated Ayurvedic and Ayurvedic traditions. Um, But in Ayurveda, what they do is they paid attention to nature. And so it's interesting if you watch uh, animals that live or mammals or animals, whatever, live 80, 120 years old, okay? Elephants, tortoise, you know, mammals and animals like that. If you watch their breathing, it is incredibly slow. Maybe like two or three breaths a minute. Wow. If you watch. But then if you watch a rodent, okay, like a, a mouse or a hummingbird or something like that, okay, they're breathing like 40 breaths a minute. Okay, well, their lifespan is just a few years. And, and then, you know, an elephant or a turtle, their lifespan is, like I said, 100 years or more. So the ancients would watch nature, and that's how they would gain and become educated on how the human design would work. And so, again, this kind of validates the less you breathe, the longer you live. You know what I mean? And so the other important thing, though, is to stay in rhythm. So one thing that they've noticed, and if we all pay attention, we can notice, is that the world is in rhythm. Everything is rhythmic. There's a pulse of the planet, the Schumann resonance, 7.83 hertz. That is the pulse of the planet. That's rhythmic, okay? The rising and falling of the sun and the moon, rhythmic. Tides, waves coming in and out. Everything is in rhythm in nature. Everything, flowers opening and closing. So it's really important that we breathe in a rhythm. It's really, really important. And so 
obviously this breathing, this box breathing is good, but that holding the breath, that is there to actually trigger the nervous system, okay? But the important thing to take it a step farther, so it's a good practice, okay? It's the beginning phases of rhythmic breathing. But the important thing is to not have a break between the inhale and the exhale. That way, think about a brain wave. Yeah. Or any music wave or anything. Is there a break? No, because then it stops the rhythm. So one thing is I, I challenge everyone listening to pay attention to your breath. And are you breathing in a connected rhythmic fashion? Because here's the thing. Erratic breathing it's your breath is directly tied to your thoughts and your body, mind and body connection. It's quite, quite amazing. And so if you have erratic breathing, then you're going to have erratic thoughts. Same thing. Like remember uh, playing a sport as a kid uh, or in your teenage years, the very last few minutes of that sport, you're exhausted and your breathing is super erratic because you you've played for an hour, hour and a half. And then do you make wise decisions? That's usually where athletes and people in general break down. When you're stressed out, do you make proper decisions? Right. If you're super angry, do you make good, clear you know, choices? No, no. That's where we all break down and we go, I can't believe I did that. Okay. Well, it has to do with this, this rhythmic breathing. Erratic thoughts, erratic breathing leads to erratic thoughts. Erratic thoughts lead to erratic emotion. And think about this. Your emotional state is how you perceive the world. If you're upset, then you're going to see the negative things. If you're happy and joyful, you're going to see the beauty that surrounds you. So making sure that our breath stays rhythmic has everything to do with our mind, our thoughts, our emotions, our feelings, and how we perceive the world. And this is one of the core foundations of, of SOMA is being able to, all the music is designed to have you breathing at a certain rate and ratio but also making sure that you're connecting the inhale to the exhale. And now you can incorporate different breathing rhythms. So maybe you breathe in for a count of two or a beat. We do four to the floor and you breathe in for a count of two maybe, but then you breathe out for a count of four. Well, what I said earlier is you, your heart rate and blood pressure and sympathetic nervous system gets activated or rises when you breathe in. The opposite happens when you breathe out. So if I breathe out twice as long as I breathe in, then I am going to lower my blood pressure um, more significantly, lower my heart rate, and activate dominancy to my parasympathetic nervous system. So this is that really interesting way to directly influence the, the nervous system and the way that you react. And this is one of the powerful things, not only in Soma, but Breathe with Steve and my, my Stress Less to Live More um, program. And this is showing them in real life time. I hook up HRV monitors, I hook up pulse oximeters, and I show them in literally a matter of a few minutes that you can completely switch the dominancy of your sympathetic or parasympathetic nervous system because the same is going to happen on the opposite side. So if you breathe in for, let's say, a count of four and out for a count of two, well, now you switched it. And now you're going to increase your heart rate, you're going to increase your blood pressure and create dominancy to your sympathetic and sympathetic is good but we need to understand how to turn it off and most people have no idea how to shut it off another interesting thing with with uh, animals and nature so a dog or an animal if you watch a zebra gets chased by a lion in the jungle okay or in the desert what happens after that zebra let's say he gets away what does he do or she right. <laughs> um they'll shake yeah they'll twitch. Yeah. shake and then they'll lay down yeah, exactly. 
And that's because they know they have a built-in mechanism to get rid of that trauma, that, that stress response, they shake. And then what they do is they lie down. So after the, a chase, you won't see the, the zebra go to work. You won't see go, go hunt for food. You won't see them go play and things like that. No, they'll immediately go rest. And that's because there's parts of their brain that don't have the conscious control that we do. They don't have conscious control over their breathing. Okay. And so as humans, we don't do this. We live in concrete jungles. Okay. Now, when we were a hundred years ago, living in the jungles with lions, tigers, and bears, it was important that we had um, our sympathetic nervous system activated so we could survive, but we don't live in those environments anymore. We live in concrete jungles and now we have deadlines, our bosses, our relationships, uh, this social hypnosis that we need to be perfect and, and achieve six figures, drive a BMW, have a three bedroom, two bath house. But this is creating the same stress response as if we were standing in the middle of the jungle facing a lion. So that's the interesting thing about humans is that uh, our bodies don't know the difference between the thought of a lion and an actual lion. And so your body's going to react the same way. Again, this another validation of mind body action. It's, it's quite phenomenal how the two are really actually connected, but this is really dangerous. So if we're worried about our emails, if we're worried about our bosses, our deadlines, if our partner's mad at us or whatever, the same activation to our nervous system is going to happen. And when we're sympathetic, your blood vessels contract. So you're not getting blood flow. You start to shut off blood flow and circulation to certain organs in the body. One specifically your digestive system. Because you don't need to digest food when you're running for your life right. and your body knows that. So it increases blood flow, extremities, your arms, and, and so that you can actually run away and, and live. So think about this. If we're worrying about our jobs and these stresses and we are not allowing ourselves to rest, to return back to homeostasis, this is the balance of our internal world and the functions of our body and our organs. If we don't allow ourselves to restore balance, this homeostasis, then we are in a constant state of contraction. And this is where you see a lot of autoimmune, chronic diseases, anxiety, depression, chronic pain. A lot of this is coming just from a, a deficiency in giving and providing our body with oxygen, blood flow, and nutrients. And so it's quite interesting once you realize that your mind has just a powerful response on your nervous system as an actual tiger standing in front of you, it starts to kind of wake you up and going, you know, I wonder what kind of condition I am in. And so again, it's really important that when you, it, it's not that you need to run away from those environments. Same thing with the zebra. It doesn't go and live in the city. No, it stays in the jungle or it stays in the, in the desert where it belongs or where, you know, it's natural state is. And so we don't need to leave these stressful environments. What we need to do is learn how to adapt and adjust to them. Yeah. So we do not become a product of that stressful environment, but rather we control our own nervous system and body. And this is what I love to teach people is how to shift their perception of those worry, basically writing stories, projecting into a false reality, a false future that hasn't happened yet and may not happen. And it, so changing the mindset, so you're not triggering that stress response, but then also knowing when you are contracted and then using just a few minutes of a certain breathing pattern, that's going to calm you down 
Now your body returns back to balance. You're back in flow. You're staying happy. You're staying focused. And your emotional state is much more um, balanced. And this is how people can actually start to thrive in life rather than just try and survive. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And I don't know where I had heard that before, but recently I heard about taking a four second breath in, but then exhaling for eight and doubling the exhale. And so I've been practicing it lately and I can attest to the fact that it is, I've noticed, I've noticed the impact that it has on me in just a calming, um, yeah, just a calming way of, um, and I didn't even know what I was doing. So there you go. <laughs> That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And if you go to my YouTube, channel breathe with Steve um, I have a couple of videos where I show how to control my autonomic nervous system um, awesome. in a matter of 30 seconds to two minutes showing uh, sympathetic parasympathetic heart rate all these other things so you guys and you have the ability I, I'm no I'm no super superhuman um, but actually we are all superhuman to tell you the truth we just need to tap into that potential but you guys can see it in real life time and, uh, and I teach you even more in the, uh, in the breathwork courses. That's it's really cool. I'm going to pop up your website real quick here because I had it, I had it open um, just so people can see. So here you go. Go to breathewithsteve.com. Um, and yeah, so you have um, a free five-day stress-less program that people can sign up for, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hold on, yeah, saying. absolutely. I want them to uh, to be able to get a taste yes. into what can be provided uh, or they are capable of providing themselves just by using a few simple methods. So it's a really good introductory um, kind of mini course. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So here we go. I'm just scrolling on down, talking about heart rate, anxiety, depression, blood pressure. Fabulous. All right. Mm -hmm. So folks, go visit breathe with Steve. So one of the questions I normally ask, hold on, I got to figure out how my, oh, there's my stop share. <laughs> I had to find it. Um, I usually ask her, are there any myths or facts that you want to clarify? But you've, you've clarified so much um, as far as breathing and oxygen and carbon dioxide and, but anything else that you wanted to, to touch upon as far as myths or facts about breathing and breath work? I think really I've touched on some of the main ones. I could go on for days and days and days. As you guys can probably tell, I'm super, super passionate about this. Incredibly passionate. Another thing to just keep in mind is the difference between nostril and mouth breathing is very substantial. Very substantial. And I've trained in many breathwork modalities and none of them quite resonated with me. And I actually was turned off quite a bit by how aggressive most of them were. And I'm not saying anything bad about them. They all have a place. They all have a purpose. And for any practitioners, mad respect. I love all of you. Um, but that's the thing that resonated with me so much with Soma Breath is that these are daily practices. And even if they're an hour and a half long, you can still do that daily. Yeah. Um, and it's because we go so deep into the science and understanding how the body works and how it optimizes and the things it needs to reach that state. And so many other modalities that I had tried was this open mouth breathing. <sighs> and it's breathe deep as much as you can. 
And again, there's a reason people have big, crazy reactions. And it's because they become so alkaline. They take in so much oxygen that the nervous system contracts and it responds. And it, what happens is it responds in well, well, what can be a trauma release because you're putting so much strain on the nervous system. It then eventually will trigger what's called the limbic part of your brain. The limbic part is where we store emotion and memory. And this is why you see those big reactions. Okay. So you can have the same type of reaction that happens because everyone is different. Every moment is different. So you can't ever guarantee something's going to work or happen for one person. There's no one size fits all basically. Um, anyway, but so the important thing on this is that if we're activating that limbic part, we're doing it from a place of aggression where you know, we're forcing a release, not really aggression. It's forcing a release. Okay. But if you breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth, okay, your nose is going to do multiple things. It's going to warm the air. Okay. When you breathe in through your nose, you warm the air. Okay. And when you warm the air, it allows the air to drop into the lower lobes of your lungs. Excuse me. You have more parasympathetic nervous receptors in the lower lobes of your lungs. This is also going to help you to absorb more oxygen into your bloodstream, which is very important. Remember, it's not about taking in more. It's about using it efficiently. So if we can actually let the air drop into the lower lungs, um, then we're actually going to absorb more oxygen, allowing us to use it more efficiently if we're balancing CO2 levels like I talked about earlier. The other thing is that it induces nitric oxide. And nitric oxide is a vasodilator. So this is going to dilate your blood vessels, again, increasing blood flow. So you are giving more oxygen, more nutrients, but you're also helping yourself to stay calm. Okay. So it's really important, guys. The best way to breathe is in through your nose and out through your nose. hundred percent. That's how you should breathe daily. Check yourself if you're open mouth breathing or shallow breathing, like... This is very dangerous to your, to your body, to your cells, to your muscles, to your mind, your emotions, everything. So again, it's fine for a ceremony once a month or once every two months, but I'm talking more about the daily proper ways to breathe. And so this is really important. And uh, what I teach a lot of is in through the nose and out through the mouth. Out through the mouth is just fine because you can make tones and vibrate the vagus nerve and things like that. Now to get that Deep reaction is actually when you hold your breath out, okay? Because if you can actually, again, now you're playing with oxygen and carbon dioxide. If you breathe in a faster rhythm, in through the nose and out through the mouth, you breathe out more CO2. So here's another little misconception. When you hold your breath out, it's not a lack of oxygen that triggers you to want to have to breathe. It's actually building levels of CO2 that trigger you to want to take a breath in believe it or not. So it's not a lack of oxygen when you hold your breath out that makes you want to breathe again. It's the CO2. Okay. So if you breathe in a faster rhythm, but to stay balanced, calm, and in your flow in through the nose, out through the mouth, you're going to breathe out more CO2 than normal. So now what you're doing is you're priming the body to hold your breath out for longer. And if you train in this enough, what you can do is when you hold your breath out for long enough, you actually hack the body and the mind into thinking that it's suffocating, that it's dying. 
And don't freak out. You're not going to die. Trust me, you'll, your body is designed. It'll take a breath before you can do any damage. You would have to put yourself in a controlled, um, low oxygen environment, like a hyperbaric chamber um, to do any damage to your brain cells or the body. So you guys are completely safe doing this. Just make sure you're not driving, operating any machinery or in any water, okay? Because you can pass out. But if you hold your breath out for long enough, Enough, you trick the body into thinking that it's suffocating. Your diaphragm stopped moving. You're not taking any breaths. So then what happens is, again, your breath is directly tied to your endocrine system, your hormones and neurotransmitters. So at this point, the body starts to release tryptamines. And this is where this interesting topic of DMT comes into place. And this is why we see that people that are trained in this and have practiced proper pranayama, they can reach these altered states of consciousness. They can communicate with a higher power, their higher power, receive downloads, heal their body. And this is because it's releasing these feel-good hormones in the body that are designed to bring you into euphoria. Because it's said that there's not too much science on this, but there's quite a bit that's coming up recently. But DMT is released right before you die. And it's there to bring you into bliss and euphoria as you are dying. Okay. Well, we can actually release that same response in our body without be doing any harm to ourselves or dying at all. It's just a hacking tool. That's it. And wow. so another really interesting thing to keep in mind is that I know this is going to sound weird, but you can actually manufacture your own happiness. All you have to do is use your breath, put your body into a state where it starts to trigger and release dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, acetylcholine, DMT even. And, and this is just outstanding that all of this can be done just by controlling your inhales or exhales. <laughs> yeah, fascinating. And I could sit here and talk to you for hours on end about it because one, you're brilliant. I mean, your knowledge is just incredible, but um I, I get it, and I, I I I so understand. I've done so much reading on trauma recovery because that's really my my expertise is is trauma recovery, and so I Amazing. know breath work is so important. But this is I had not heard any of this before, so this is amazing. Yeah, I think the two really balance well. There's a time and a place to have that that heavy breathing and open mouth breathing to have that real big release. You are activating, yeah, and I've not heard of that before either. I, when you're talking about this like open mouth breathing and this trauma release, I'd not heard of, I'd not heard of that as well. Uh, mine really? was so more like, like rebirthing or holotropic or any of those methods. Those are usually even the Wim Hof method, which I love the Wim Hof method, but the the part that's interesting, his is a little bit and he it's rage body temperature and activate your sympathetic but all these other modalities are this open mouth and there's no rhythm it's it's erratic it's just you want to breathe in and out um, but yeah this is what i have found in my research to be more of the dominant um, forms and modalities that you see which again have a place to have a purpose but for me i like to take a softer approach that's a bit more um, in my body to, into its natural state and not force a reaction. Uh, cause it, well, and you're into trauma and trauma release. So what are your thoughts on, do you keep going into the darkness and into the trauma and you can't release that past experience, right. but there's also in my belief, another side, and you can also look at the light. You can find the joy and look at the other side and what happens 
um, most cases is that darkness, that trauma begins to actually just weather away because you've created a new default setting within your mind and your body. I find there's two forms. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I, I've always, I've always been of the mentality to go into, go back into the trauma and resolve it in order to get to the light. But I love this Mm -hmm. idea of, because so many times people were terrified to go. I did EMDR therapy, which was going back into the traumas, going back in for four years, we went back into the traumas. But if I could have done the healing work without going back in, oh, sign me up. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and again, it's not like there's one side. Everyone's different. Some people have had serious traumas and they need to go in and and experience that a little bit. Um, Because a lot of the times when we don't, it's due to fear. And if we're living a life of fear, we're immediately creating a contraction in our body. And that's why most people have a difficulty releasing traumas because there's actually more fear than there is trauma or the, the fear has been induced because of the trauma. (laughs) And yeah, exactly. We can all, I mean, if you, if you weather away your ego, um, we all are terrified in most, in most parts of our life, at least when we, until we start becoming aware of it. And when you start to release that fear, but the fear holds in the body. And so does the trauma because fear what does it do? It induces a stress response to the body. So you're in contracted state. Now that, that, that feeling, that emotion can't move. The energy can't move freely through your body. And so that's why I find that the, the two coexist. It's really on a, a one-on-one kind of basis. Uh, for me, I like to bring people into light. What would you be doing? Where would you be? What's your like perfect day? What's your perfect, like, let's create a visualization in our mind. And what would be this perfect day? day who would you be with what would you be doing and then all of a sudden we're like you know there's the pain like oh i can't do that i don't deserve to live anywhere you know this is horrible but then eventually it's like well what would that house look like who would i be with oh would i be sipping coconuts on the beach you know would i have a pineapple in mexico what would i be doing and then you start to feel good and that's when i like to also bring in that past experience but rather from a place of inspiration and motivation Like, okay, guys, it's time to face the fear. What is your fear? It's looking at you right in the eyes. I want you to look at it. I want you to be open to it. Harness it. Give it a hug. Thank it for being there because it has brought you into this moment right now. So face your fears and begin to let them go. And this is where we get into breathing because you start to charge that energy up or relax the the body to be open to release that trauma. So it's generally for me, I like to take them. Let's get excited. Okay. (laughs) Now we're in more of a light space. So now let's face that darkness with a little bit of ammo behind us, a little bit of light energy behind us kind of thing. I I might be getting a little, a little woo on you guys. No, I love the um, woo woo. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) And so, and then when I encourage them from a place of drive or motivation to face that, so they can go even farther into the light, then now they have a purpose. They have a reason. They have a reason to do it rather than, oh, I don't want to go into my traumas, my childhood. I slip it in right in the middle and they're like, whoa. And then this is where people would generally start to have a reaction. And and you'll see maybe little tears coming up or you'll see them contract their body. And this is where I start to really guide them through the breathing so that they transition gracefully through that. 
And then it's like, okay, now there is no more fear. What are you going to do? How are you going to step forward? What actions are you going to take to live out the life that you want? And so do you see how there's like this interesting, there's many ways to do this, but this is my approach is I want you to feel comfortable, safe, and excited. Let's go through that traumatic experience together. I'm going to help you and support you through it. And then let's take action and get shit done. Let's get excited. (laughs) And that's when that trauma washes away without having to go deeply into it. So this would maybe like a one hour session and maybe eight minutes of it's into the trauma. Um, but because there was so much uplifting energy and movement into the inspiration, that trauma begins to wash away. You forget about it in a sense. And yeah, it can have a positive effect. But for some people, yeah, you got to go spend many, many times in sessions going into the darkness. But um, I've, I've dealt with my own darkness, my own depressions. And for me, it, I didn't need to go that far. Um, that's why I, I take what I've learned. I only speak from experience, everything that I teach I've gone through. And so for me, I, I personally um, benefited more, um, seeing the darkness by all means, seeing those fears, that pain, that hurt from family members, from friends, my, uh, in 14 years old, when I was humiliated in high school or in grade school. And, uh, you know, it took me into my thirties to get rid of it. And I think it still lingers. There's parts of it. Um, but for me, I enjoy more of the light to wash away the dark. Yeah. Beautiful. But all of them have a place. They're all beautiful. I'm not taking away from any other people or, or modalities by no means, just trying to shed light on other ways and forms. Amen. And I, I love that philosophy because again, every, every person's on their own journey and we just have to find the thing that works for us. And so I love it that you're offering this positive light, hopeful, inspiring approach yeah so all right it inspires others yeah that's that's (laughs) the whole point (laughs) anything else that you wanted to touch upon that we didn't have an opportunity to um not really i mean if you guys want to understand the science of breathing then i highly recommend that you check out the soma breath website as well um so i've condensed it to be very focused on stress and the nervous system and how to alleviate yourself But when you learn the science, the deep knowing and the understanding of why and so many health um, like Kundalini yoga and a lot of other health, you know, like practices, oh, do this and it'll cleanse your liver, do this and it'll detox your uh, gallbladder or your kidney. And there's never a why to follow it. It's just you have to believe in it. And, And I'm a firm believer in belief, but we teach you the why. Literally, scientific research, all the doctor studies, scientific studies, the, the, um, the research studies, they all exist in our training course. And so I highly recommend that you either check out the 21-day protocol, which is a 21-day intermittent hypoxic protocol training. And you get to do 20 minutes of breath work in week one, there are 40 minutes in week two, and 60 minutes in week three. It's very, very powerful. If you want something more entry level, and you're dealing with high levels of stress, and you're new to breath work, I highly recommend you check out Breathe with Steve in my stress program. And I'll give a discount link if, uh, if that's okay with you, Terry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have a new, a new group that starts uh, early December, and we do about one or two groups a month. But I highly recommend you join that. But if you are ready to really step in and take a professional, very um, expanded, knowledgeable approach to pranayama 
and how you can really reach this peak state of health, wellness, happiness, focus, and clarity. Um, all of it exists inside the Soma Breath Teacher Training Program. And we just launched a master's program that incorporates breath as therapy. And we're teaching our instructors how to guide our online 21-day protocol course. So now our instructors have an online course that's already proven successful that they get trained to teach themselves. So this is really, really abundant. And we, we have a lot of support in our community for our instructors. And uh, we believe community is really the cure. So definitely check out the Soma Breath page and the, uh, and the, uh, the teacher training. And you can also book a call and actually have a discussion with me directly. Um, and I can tell you more about the training. So that's all on the Soma awesome. Breath website. So definitely check out both, uh, both avenues, Breathe with Steve and the Soma Breath. All right. Well, that was my last question then was how do people get in touch with you? But breathewithsteve.com, yes. And then uh, any social media at all? Yeah, it's uh, either Stephen Whitney or, or Breathe with Steve. I'm pretty sure almost everything is Breathe with Steve, but I'm very active on my personal page, which is uh, Stephen Whitney. And you'll see it. It says Breath Coach, and, uh, and it's, a, it's a fun picture. Awesome. So, yeah, All right. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so very much for enlightening me, enlightening the audience, and uh, yeah, for helping us understand just the critical importance of breath work and, and the work you're doing in the world. So thank you. Uh, and Terry, and I really thank you for everything that you're doing in the world and your communities, this podcast for one, and the, the traumas, the healing and the support that you're giving. Uh, this is how we elevate humanity. And so it's uh, people stepping up and becoming conscious leaders. And, and I feel that from you 100%. So I want to thank you also um, for showing up in the way that you do and the support that you provide. So a lot of respect to you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure. And everyone, thanks so much for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And remember, until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today to the Healing Place podcast with your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about Terry, her mission, and the Hope for Healing journey, visit Terry's website at www terrywellbrock.com. Thank you for liking, commenting, sharing, and offering your reviews on our YouTube channel, audio outlets, and Facebook page. And as Terry reminds us, until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself.